Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Friends, hello. It's been years, or it feels like years. I haven't recorded an episode in so long. It's actually it's actually been lovely not to have to record an episode on the weekends because I pre-recorded so many episodes. But here I am. I'm back. I've missed you. How is everyone? Are we all doing well? I'm doing well. Nothing's happened in my life, as per usual. And actually, not that much is happening in Teen Mom World. I know I was like, if something big happens, I will update you on my Instagram. But like, nothing is really going on. Janelle is back at the land. I can't remember what we talked about last when it came to Janelle, but I will, I guess I'll just pretend like we haven't really talked about Janelle. I think I said that like we knew Janelle and David were talking again and she was wearing her wedding ring, but it seems like she is now fully back on the land. It looked like for a little bit of time, um, they were like going back and forth between Tennessee and North Carolina. And now it seems like she's just been in North Carolina for the last couple weeks. I believe her and David are, you know, 100% back together, as does probably everybody else. I don't don't think that's some groundbreaking information for me to be like, I think they're together. Uh, Janelle did give an interview basically saying, like, she is paying for rent and her mortgage and she can't or doesn't want to pay both. She also said, excuse me, I have the hiccups. She also said David needs to get a job, which it's like, yeah, David needs to get a job and show that he can, like, you know, bring something to the marriage. I don't disagree with that statement. That David definitely needs to prove that he can bring something to their marriage. But it does seem like a crazy statement to make, you know, in light of the fact that he's an abuser. And if the one thing that she's concerned about is him getting a job and not her, you know, not abusing her children. Just some classic Janelle. Uh, I will say I was wrong. You guys know I will admit when I'm wrong sometimes. <laughs> that I really thought Janelle would never go back to the land because I figured she hated living there. I still think she hates living there, but she went back. Uh, I'm guessing she's running out of money would be my guess, maybe. And she simply just can't afford to pay the mortgage on the land and pay rent. I really thought, like, even if her and David got back together, he would move to North Carolina, or to Tennessee, or they would maybe move somewhere in Wilmington. Uh, I think she hates it on the land. I really do. I don't, I mean, they're like an hour away from Starbucks. Like, it sucks living so isolated. Most people don't like it. Like, there's a reason that most people don't live so isolated, from society, and it's because it's hard. It sucks when you have to drive 45 minutes to get to Target, you know? So I thought once Janelle got, like, a taste of that suburban life back, she'd be all in, but I was wrong there. Uh, I'm not surprised Janelle and David are back together. I'm sure if you go back and listen to whatever episode that I released, 
you know, when they broke up, when they officially broke up back at the end of October, I will say that I did not think the breakup would be permanent. I still stand by what I said that I think the breakup was real. I do not for one minute buy that Janelle would fake a four-month-long breakup that included a restraining order in her moving states. I There's just no way. Even if her end goal was to get on MTV, like, she's not smart enough or cunning enough to do that. And I just don't believe that that was something that she did or, like, was planning to do. Uh, I just think that she is... Somebody that's very mentally ill and is an abusive relationship. And anybody that's surprised that they're back together, like, I don't know what to tell you because it, this is what happens. This is not only what Janelle does, this is what happens in abusive relationships. It's hard to leave them. I also think that they are going to probably break up again within the next, I don't know, couple months. I think that this was probably a big, a big, a big shift for them. And I think the breakups are probably going to become more frequent and dramatic until they happen for real. I also think that the reason she went back to him is because the herb stuff, I think that blowing up really probably shook her. And we all know Janelle can't be alone. She can't be single. And I would bet a lot of what David tells her is like, nobody's ever going to want to be with you. And the herb stuff blowing up just like reinforced that, that David was the only person she could be with. I do think that, I don't know, this doesn't sound nice to say, but I do think that in some ways David's probably not wrong, that like it's going to be very hard for Janelle to find someone to be with. Actually, no, that's not true. I take that. I take that back. Let me rethink what I want to say. I think that it, Janelle will never find a healthy or good person to be with because she's not healthy or good. But I'm sure there's some other fucking loser around North Carolina that wants to, like, live off her. <laughs> so, yeah, I take that back. David was wrong. There there will always be some guy for Janelle to get with, you know? Like, I just think that Herb, like, that situation blowing up probably was the reason that she went back with David. Which is sad. But the reality, uh, I do, like, I don't know. I think that eventually she's going to come out and be like, Oh, yeah, we're totally back together. We're in love. David's changed. But it will take a while. And that's what's going on with Janelle. Uh, the only other thing that's really been going on, you know, is Kale's pregnancy. Um, her and Chris, like, keep posting stuff on social media about each other. She's posting a lot of stuff about narcissists. She gave an interview saying that Chris got her pregnant on purpose, which is... That's, uh, that's some choice language, yeah? Because when I read that, I think, like, did he rape her? Like, that, like, that's instantly what I think when I read that. And I don't think she's actually saying that. But I do think she wants us to maybe come away from the article thinking that. Uh, Kale is, like, really in a bad place, but I will say... That the hatred, the pure venom that Kale is receiving is just a little much for me. Um, I think you guys know that I, as I've talked about on here before, like, I'm just not interested in anything that is pure hate. Like, I look at all, or I try to look at all situations with empathy. I don't always do it, but I try. And there's just nothing interesting to me about, like, fucking hating 
someone, and I understand why people don't like Kale, and I think that's totally justified. Like, she's been posting awful anti-vax stuff. She's racist. Like, not defending Kale in any way, but the, the hate that she's getting, it's, like, relentless. Like, literally, like, every other post on Reddit right now is about how much they hate Kale, and it's really reached this place where people are, like, saying that she deserves to have a baby with an abuser, and if Chris hits her, like, it's her fault, and it really, the hate has gotten to the point where it's like, I think that people will not be satisfied until Kale kills herself. Like, nobody will be satisfied with Kale's life until she kills herself as, like, the ultimate sacrifice to their hatred. Um, it, it's just such, it reached such a fever pitch. And I'm not talking about, like, if you are a listener and you're just like, God, I fucking hate Kale. She's so annoying. She's awful. I don't find anything redeeming about her. Like, I understand that. But the obsessive hate that's going on with Kale has just gotten really exhausting for me. Um, I know some people probably don't care about this, but this podcast has always been a meta commentary on the Team Mom fandom. Like, since day one, I've always found the fandom to be one of the most interesting parts about Teen Mom. I'm very involved in the fandom. I'm very deep in it. I'm a very active participant on Reddit, and I used to be a very active participant on Twitter. So, I I don't know. I think it'd be crazy to have a podcast and we don't talk about the way that the fans are reacting to what's going on. Uh, it's just, like, I couldn't have a podcast and talk about Teen Mom without that. And I have to say, I'm truly, totally exhausted <laughs> by the obsessive nature of the kale hate. Uh, It's just not thoughtful, I think. I think that's where my line is. Like, when the hate goes from thoughtful commentary and discussions to just pure venom that's only based in cruelty, that has no empathy in it at all, that isn't funny, that isn't smart, it's just, like, lowest common denominator hate. That's where I have a problem with it, and that's where, like, I kind of tune out and check out from it, where I'm like, I just don't care. Like, Kale's in Iceland right now, which people are losing their fucking minds about, because how stupid is she to pregnant, to travel pregnant with coronavirus, which, like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not totally disagreeing with that as somebody that spends a lot of time reading articles about coronavirus and is, and is mildly, like, super panicking about it. <laughs> and obsessively washing her hands, (laughs) it's like people are just like that fucking stupid bitch went on a vacation. Like, how fucking stupid is she? And it's just like, instead of just like looking at her pictures from Iceland and being like, oh, that looks fun. People are like, she's a fucking idiot for going to Iceland. And it's like, can we just like have a fucking moment? I just am exhausted by this like there can absolutely be no other discussion except for how much we hate her. That's what bothers me. Like, we can all hate Kale. And, like, Kale's making really fucking bad choices and really bad life choices. And I'm not, I don't like Kale. I've never been a Kale fan. (laughs) I'm sure anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I'm not really a Kale fan. And there's, I don't find Kale to be a good person. And I have a lot of criticism towards Kale and hatred towards Kale. But this idea that, like, we can only discuss about, like, how evil she is and we can't talk about anything else um, is very tiring for me. And I will say that I know I fall into that trap with a lot of stuff. So this is hypocritical and I am aware of that. (laughs) I think it just gets, like, 
just the specific type of discussions that I like to have. You know, I don't like, and I would hope all of my listeners know this, like I'm not a type of person that really likes to criticize people's bodies or how they look because it's just like there's just nothing interesting about it and it's it's just lowest common denominator stuff and I like to think that I am a middle common denominator. <laughs> how would you say that? I'm a median denominator. <laughs> not high. I'm not highest, you know. I do understand. I would like to say I'm in the middle. So yeah, I just have been very exhausted by the extreme, extreme kale hatred that I feel is, it's not unjustified, it's just too obsessive for me to latch onto, and it's really, ugh, just exhausting for me. Uh, I think that's really all that's going on in the fandom. OG is coming back in like, I think two and a half weeks from the day of recording, it's February 29th. Today it's Leap Day, by the way. I kind of love Leap Day. I just think it's a fun day. I would love to have a Leap Day baby. Today is my friend Daniel's birthday, and I love to be able to wish him happy birthday. And I always joke that, like, I always like to wish him happy birthday on, like, March 1st, because usually other people wish him happy birthday on February 28th. Um, so, yeah, things like that. I like Leap Day. I just watched the 30 Rock Leap Day episode. Tomlin told me that 12 years ago she got a free ice cream on leap day and now she really holds out hope that for leap day you get free things and I am also holding out hope that for leap day I'll get free things but yeah I think OG comes back on the 17th which is fun and exciting oh although oh that's gonna be an issue I'm going out of town that week and OG's on Tuesday nights now isn't hold on I need to check some dates Oh, actually, it's fine. I'll record during the day. Um, On Thursday, during the day. Nobody cares about this. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess next week... Oh, oh, and I want to explain what I'm doing. So I missed four full episodes of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. And that... I was like, that's sad. Um, I asked people if they wanted me to recap Team Mom Young and Pregnant or if I should just move on to throwback episodes. And more people said Young and Pregnant. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to recap two Young and Pregnant episodes today... I'm just going to go through first episode and second episode of each girl. Then next week, I'm going to recap the next two, final two, Team I'm Young and Pregnant episodes. They're not getting a reunion, so we don't really, that's it. And then I think then there's probably one more week, and I'll do a throwback episode or an Ask Me Anything episode or whatever that week. I love doing Ask Me Anything episodes, by the way. If you like Ask Me Anything episodes... Let me know because I love doing them. They're so easy to record. (laughs) So easy to record. They're my favorite, favorite thing to do. Even though I love doing throwback episodes and having guests on to do them, uh, I just fucking love answering questions and I have to do no research and I can just talk about myself. (laughs) They are so easy peasy. I deeply love them. So yeah, let me know if you like Ask Me Anything episodes and you want me to keep doing them regularly. If not, I won't do them, I guess. <laughs> anyway, let's get into Team Mom Young and Pregnant, shall we? In the two episodes, which are uh, episodes 15 and 16, at least according to Amazon. <laughs> I don't know how they show on MTV, but basically, if last week was the finale, just base it off of that. And I'm four episodes behind. I actually want to start with 
Brie. Because Brie finally, like, showed up in these two episodes. And we finally had something to talk about. And here's the thing. I'm not shocked, unfortunately, that Brie, like, is only interesting when she has a boyfriend. It's just, I think that Brie is really normal. I think Brie, no. Let me get this. Let me say this differently. I think that Brie, um, when she does not have a boyfriend, is a person that has very little drama in her life. And she truly just, like, works and hangs out with her family and, like, parents her kid. I don't think she has a ton of friends in Oregon. And I don't think she does a ton of stuff. I also think she is pretty depressed. And I would bet that, like, a majority of Brie's time is just her kind of sitting around, not doing much. Um, when Brayson's asleep, she's probably just scrolling on her bed in her phone, on her phone, scrolling in her bed on her phone. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, what I'm saying is Brie probably is very similar to me. <laughs> that's not true. I have friends and I do stuff, but like probably similar to a lot of us in that like she goes to work, she takes care of her kids. And she just, it's not like she is out partying and fighting with her friends and she doesn't have any baby daddy drama, really, because the baby dad doesn't want to be involved in Brayson's life at all. You know, she had that brief moment of baby daddy drama. And I loved Brie in the first season, really, because of Danae, uh, who, by the way, is no longer going by Milo and is going by Dan, which I think totally tracks. I believe he shows up in, like, the final episode, so we'll talk about it more, but I've seen a lot of hate on, uh, like, on Reddit for, like, him picking another name, and, like, he's always changing his name, but the reality is I think it's, like, pretty hard to pick a name, and I think, um, especially a lot of people who are, like, in their late teens or early 20s and who are picking a name tend to pick what I call, like, young adult novel names, (laughs) which I know I absolutely would have done if I changed my name when I was, you know, 19 years old to a male name. It would have been, like, something, like, I would have been Grayson or something like that. Like, I think that people pick these names that they really, like, they're names that they like, and then they realize they don't actually identify with that name, and it's, like, hard to go by that name, and it doesn't feel like them, and they have to try it out. And I think that a person that's changing their name should be able to go through a couple different names before they settle on their final one. I think that's what makes sense. And I think Dan probably makes a lot more sense for him, and it's just easier to use, and people in his life probably have an easier time with it uh, because it's such a, you know, a short jump from Danae to Dan. And I'm happy for him. Uh, if he wants to change his name again, then he should fucking be able to be allowed to. Who cares? Truly, who cares? Like, it's hard to pick a name when you've gone by one name for your whole life. I think that's just, like, the truth and people, like, getting, oh, well, he's having an identity. I don't know. People are just being really shitty about it. And I don't like it. Uh, but that's why we liked Brie so much in season one because Danae was just so, like, captivating and the drama with him was so captivating. And then once Dan left, you know, it just got a little boring and I think her life is just boring. So this Jaden stuff, uh, is fun. (laughs) It's quite fun. (laughs) I'm into it. (laughs) Uh, even though I find Jaden himself to be pretty mild and boring and not very interesting, 
I am very interested in the storyline going on. And also, like, Vanessa's here and Vanessa's boyfriend. And there's just, like, so many more people. Like, it's not just, like, uh, Brie, her mom, and occasionally her grandma. Because I really think there's the only people she sees. Now we have a Jaden. Now we have a Vanessa. Now we have Vanessa's boyfriend. And there's just, like, people to fight with and drama to be had. So I was into this episode. And let's talk about Brie right after a quick break. So, Jaden comes over to meet the family. They have a bonfire. Everybody's joking. Everything's going well. And we see that Brie is getting pretty serious about Jaden. Uh, Brie quickly lets us know that even though she wanted to take things slow. <laughs> oh, even though she wanted to take things slowly. Surprise! <laughs> surprise, guys! Jaden and Brie are basically already living together, and he spends every day with Bryson. <sighs> this is upsetting for, you know, 100 reasons. It's the third man that Bryson has been around in his young life. I mean, this is in the next episode. It's his second birthday. Like I said, this is the third guy that he's been seriously around and essentially living with. <laughs> Uh, it just it just is worrying Jessica of course is worried about how fast things are moving and I've seen a lot of criticism from people that are like Jessica wanted Brie to date and now she's mad that Brie's dating it's like I don't think that's it I think Jessica was concerned about Brie's depression and that she only hangs out with her and their grandmother and that she doesn't really seem to leave the house and Jessica's like well why don't you go on dates thinking like She'd get on Tinder, she'd meet some guys, she'd, like, have fun, she'd go on dates, maybe she'd meet their friends, maybe she'd become friends with their friends, maybe they could just, like, go out to a bar, and I think Jessica just wanted Brie to have, like, more of a social life. I don't think she wanted (laughs) Brie to just meet a guy, have him move from Texas, and move into their home. What what she really wanted Brie to do was to get on Bumble BFF, you know? Like, she didn't want Brie to, like, get into a committed relationship with some guy who had to pick up his life to move and be with her. Which, fair enough. Jessica and Brie talk with Vanessa about it. I can't... Oh, my... <laughs> Here's the thing. My notes are not very clear. And I think that's the three of them talked about it. And they both think that Vanessa, excuse me, they both think Vanessa is a good guy. Everybody seems to agree that Jaden is a good guy. He doesn't seem controlling. And Bree says that she was scared to date another trans guy. And I immediately went like, ooh. <laughs> because as we've talked about on this podcast, Bree has been caught saying some really awful transphobic shit. She sent Jaden like really awful transphobic text messages. She's definitely been accused of fetishizing trans guys, which like, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I I don't think I know enough about Brie in the way that she dates to know if that's true or not. I think that obviously she's dated, like, two trans guys publicly, but she's also dated a couple cis guys publicly that we know of. Robert was a cis man, and obviously she got pregnant by a cis man. I think that Brie probably meets more trans guys than the average cis woman because she is LGBT and she spends time in LGBT spaces and she's open to dating trans guys. I think once you are uh, open to dating trans guys, you're like more likely to date a trans person because they're most, I don't know if most, but a lot of 
cis women wouldn't be interested in dating a trans guy. So, like, I don't think it's crazy that she's publicly dated two trans guys. Like, to me, that doesn't say fetish, like, a fetish just because she's dated two trans guys. But I do think that she has shown a lot of transphobic behavior uh, via those texts that she sent to Jaden where she, like, used his dead name and was like, I'm calling you that because you're acting like a bitch, you bitch. Just, like, really awful transphobic stuff. And so when she said that, I was like, ooh. But I actually thought she had some good points where she said that, like, uh, Danae, Dan was so insecure and it really affected their relationship. And I got what she was saying. I think what she meant was, like, Jaden is really secure in where he is with his gender and transitioning. And he's already transitioned. I don't know if he's on meds or whatever. And that he it isn't something that causes him a lot of, like, mental health issues and a lot of issues. And it did with Danae. And, like, I think that Janae's... Danae's issues just created a lot of drama for them and I think she believes a lot of his issues came from being trans which you know I don't know if that's true or not but it's possible and I think what she was trying to say is like Jaden just is a lot more secure in himself which I don't think is necessarily like a bad take but I was definitely nervous for her to start talking and then we get a scene of Jaden asking Brie to be his girlfriend and he pulls flowers from out of nowhere. They're like at a restaurant and eat a whole meal and then they talk about being boyfriend and girlfriend and then Jaden has flowers. <laughs> it's like where the fuck did this come from? Okay let's get into the second episode where there was drama and fun and I have things to say which you guys know I always have things to say. <laughs> so Jaden has moved in because according to Brianna it's easier. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jessica and Vanessa talk about this and Vanessa is really frustrated and I am totally on Jessica and Vanessa's side here and I know a lot of people find Jessica a hypocrite but I'm going to tell you why I do not find her to be a hypocrite in this situation and I don't think it's fair to compare Jessica and Jaden so first of all Vanessa is like I moved here and I had no fucking clue that I was going to be moving with Brianna's boyfriend like we have breakfast lunch and dinner together every fucking day I totally agree with Vanessa here. Like, she thought she was moving in with her mom, her sister, and her nephew. And her and her boyfriend were coming to that space. And now there is a stranger there that Brie has been with for 11 days that now lives with them. I totally think that would fuck me up. Like, I wouldn't be into that. I wouldn't be happy with it. Vanessa is like, I don't understand. Like, he doesn't have a job. He just moved here. Like, how do you move somewhere with no plan, no job, nowhere to live. And Vanessa's like, I'm just not that type of person. And Jessica says, I don't know, I'm not that type of person either. But in my opinion, Jessica really just seems to want to keep the peace. And Jessica has gotten a lot of flack online. I've seen a lot of flack about Jessica saying that she would never move without a plan. And she did move without a plan. And she had nothing. Okay, I want to talk about this. Because I think that it is not fair to compare what Jaden did to what Jessica did. So, I, like, we can, you know, roll back to the tape and listen to what I said about their move. And it wasn't the best planned move. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think any of us disagree with that. I think we were all a little confused by it. But I also think that uh, Jessica's move was just, like, the reality of being poor moving across the country. Like, what I believe happened is that Jessica and Brie 
got like a little bit of cash from MTV. Jessica did not want to live in the Midwest anymore. She wanted to go live where her parents were. And she got, let's say, like $7,000 from MTV, and this was her chance. She was going to use that money to rent a U-Haul to drive across the country, which is not cheap, by the way, when you do a one-way U-Haul move. It's very expensive. They add, like, thousands of dollars on as a drop-off fee. But she, you, you know what I mean? She had a little bit of money. She had enough that she could get first class in security and that she could move her shit across the country. Um, I think Brie moving with her made the move more expensive because they probably had to rent a bigger U-Haul. Like, hell, if she didn't move with Brie, she could have just gotten in her car, drove across the country, uh, sold all of her shit, only brought her clothes, and then rented a room somewhere, which is much cheaper than, like, getting a U-Haul, moving all of your stuff and your furniture, and then also uh, having to get, like, your own place as opposed to moving into a room somewhere where you can give them $200 to move in. So I think that Jessica, like, it wasn't the best laid out plan, sure, but I also think that Jessica, like, had a clear goal, she had a clear way to do it, and, like, her intention was, like, we are going out there, we'll stay in an Airbnb for, like, a couple days, we'll get into a house, and then I'll immediately find a job and start working, and that's how we'll pay for this. Like, we have just enough money to get there, and I don't think most people understand, or people that... Obviously, a lot of people understand this. I think what a lot of people are missing is that, like, Jessica probably saw this as, like, her once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have enough money to get her across the country and that she would figure out the rest when she got there. And she did. Was it tight for a minute? Like, yeah, it was. Of course it was. Like, they were talking about possibly selling the car for food, but they didn't have to because she got a job. Um, I also don't think it would have been realistic for Jessica to line up a job before she moved. Like, guys... Jessica works like food service. I think in Milwaukee, she was managing a deli. Like, you don't line up food service jobs before you move. Like, that's incredibly hard. You just go in, you start interviewing, and usually you get hired fairly quickly, which is what ended up happening. Um, Like, you just, you can't line up food service jobs. So I just, do I think that Jessica's move was, like, the best laid plans? Like, no, probably not. But I think it was the only realistic way that she was going to move across the country. Like, Jessica was poor. She had declared bankruptcy, like, right before they started filming. Like, Jessica did not have a lot of money. And I don't think it was possible for her to save up so that they could move and get right into a place and comfortably live for two months without jobs. Like, no, I think they had enough money to get them across the country, to get them into a house, and then they needed to find jobs to be able to support themselves. And that was probably five, six, seven thousand dollars right there. You know, like that it was probably quite expensive. That money but from getting them from Milwaukee then to getting into that house was probably thousands and thousands of dollars. And they had just enough to do that. And so they did it. She did it. And then she told Brie, you can come with me or not. And Brie decided to come with her. Um, so I I just think it's crazy to think to compare like what Jessica did. Like People are like, she moved without a plan, but I disagree that she moved without a plan. I think she had a plan, and her plan worked. There just might have been a couple tight moments. Like, I think for Jessica, it was like, well, we might have to sell the car if I can't get a job so we can pay for stuff. Um, But then they would have bought a new car when she did get a job. Like, I just think that Jessica did a major move on a paycheck-to-paycheck life, and that's what it looks like, and quickly was, like, looking for jobs, feet on the ground, applying for shit, was hired quickly. 
You know, also, if you will remember, they got a bigger place because Robert was with, with them. And people are like, well, she needed Bree and Robert to get jobs so they could pay her way. But, like, I don't think that's it at all because, like I said, I think it actually would have been much cheaper for Jessica to move without Bree Bryson and Robert. Like, she could have moved thousands of dollars less and just gotten a room somewhere um, and saved the rest of that money. But I don't think, like, I don't think people realize that just because it's, just because you move without a job and just because it like gets tight for a minute doesn't mean that you are like just throwing caution in the wind and doing whatever the fuck you want. Like Jessica knew she'd get a job and like things would be okay. And if worse came to worse, they were going to sell the car, but then they would get a new one. Like I think that was her mentality. And I think as viewers, that's hard to watch because like from our eyes, like, oh, well she had it like, why did she even do this? Things were fine in Milwaukee, but like, we don't know. And she wanted to go be by her aging parents. Like I, I don't know. I don't find the move to be like that egregious and it all worked out and it all worked out for them pretty quickly. Were there a couple tough weeks? Like, yeah, there are a couple tough weeks, but now like they're fine and things are okay. And like, I don't like know where people get this idea that Jessica is like lazy and not caring for herself and supporting herself, like and relying on Brie. Cause I don't think that's true at all. Now, what Jaden did was his, he has some family that lives in Oregon too. So like he was planning on moving to Oregon, but he happened to meet a girl that's on TV. She has a big house. She said, come out and move with me and live here. And that's it. And he's been living there for a couple weeks now. And it doesn't seem like he's trying to get a job. He's not paying for any of his own shit. He's around all the time. And he has nothing else planned. Like there was no like, when I say like Jessica moved with a plan, her plan was like, as soon as I get there, I'm going to start applying for jobs at these type of places. And she did. And she got hired. You know, Jaden seems like he moved and is like, yeah, maybe I'll like apply to the VA. Like, not like I am a server, so I'm going to go apply at every bar in the, like the town that we're living in. Um, and it seems like he's not working at all or doing anything. He's just hanging around. <laughs> he moved there for legal weed. So I just think it's crazy to compare Vanessa and Jaden. I think that Vanessa, or excuse me, Jessica and Jaden, I don't think it's fair to say that, like, Jessica just threw caution into the wind and moved without any plans at all. I think that Jessica took what could have been a once-in-a-lifetime windfall because they had no idea if they were getting a second season of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. Like, they weren't making a lot of money. They're still not making a lot of money. This is before... The show had really aired, I think. So I don't even know if Brie had, like, Instagram followers and Instagram checks coming in yet, right? Like, if any, like, barely. And Jessica's like, look, we're taking the money and we're doing this. And it's going to be tough for a little while, but this is what I want to do. And this might be the only chance that I'm ever going to get to do this. And she did it and it worked out. So I just, I don't like these how dare Jessica, like, criticize Jaden. Because Jaden just, like, found some chick to fucking support him and live with and isn't even applying for jobs, as far as we can see. So there's my Jessica and Jaden rant. <laughs> Bryson's beach birthday party is coming up, as in they're just going to go to the coast for the weekend because it's Bryson's second birthday. And this is where I think Bree starts to hold power because Bree is paying for this trip. Bree is, you know, making her Fashion Nova ad money, Brie's definitely making money, and Brie definitely has more money, I would guess, than Jessica and Vanessa, but I've seen a lot of people speculating that Brie pays all the bills in their house, and she pays for everyone, and I don't think that's true at all, 
they re- they repeatedly say through this episode that Brie and Jessica split the rent. And I'm sure that's true. I find it very hard to believe that Jessica isn't holding pulling her own weight. Uh, she has a job. She works. I think that Brie just paid, like, when they want luxurious stuff, like, Brie's the one that pays for it because she has the money. So Brie wants Jaden to come for the weekend, and Jessica and Vanessa are not into it. They just feel like, you know, all of a sudden this guy's living in our house. Like, we've been really looking forward to this for, like, a while, and we thought it was just going to be the family, and now he, like, adds a different dynamic, which is so true. I think it's like, you know, when, like, your girl, one of your girlfriends, like, gets a new boyfriend and wants to bring him around, and you're like, oh, this just adds a whole nother dynamic. I get what Jessica and Vanessa are saying, but I also understand what Bree's saying, where she's like, well, I'm the one paying for this trip. This trip is to celebrate my son. If I want to bring my boyfriend, I should be allowed to. And I don't think she's, like, totally wrong. Like, I don't disagree with that. I think the reason that I feel less likely to be on Bree's side here is because he's living with them and they're with him all the time. And I understand where Vanessa is coming from and that she just wants like a minute break to be with the family that she thought she was moving with. Like, I get that. I think if Jaden wasn't living with them, it would be totally different for Brie to bring along Jaden. Brie says, so basically they're kind of fighting about it. And Brie's like, well, then none of you have to come. It's my kid. And Jessica's like, hold on. Like, how did we even get here? You can tell Jessica's very much like a peacemaker, uh, which I think is admirable in a lot of ways, but then also is fucking annoying because it turns into people pleasing and spinelessness. (laughs) And remember in season one, we like really thought Jessica was like the ultimate communicator. And then I kind of realized that a lot of it was people pleasing um, <laughs> but basically, uh, Vanessa's like, oh, hold on. You're saying like that we're just that expendable and that like, if we're not happy, we shouldn't come. And you're basically like acting like we're not even family and that's not my nephew. And I wasn't there when he was born and that's fucked up. And I agree. I kind of like, I really do see both sides of this argument. Uh, Bree, oh, Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa's like, this is your third boyfriend that's lived with you in your parents' house. (laughs) And Brie screams that technically this is her house and she pays for almost everything. And Vanessa's like, no, it's not. Mom pays for half. Um, I think what Brie is trying to say, and to me it's so obvious how young Brie is in this scene that she's never had roommates. Because Brie is like, this is my house. I'm an adult. I can have anybody here that I want. But it's like, no, you can't. Because when you have roommates, you can't just move somebody into your house without your roommates agreeing to it. But Bree's like, because I pay the rent, I can have anybody here. And it's like, well, no, that's not that's not how it works with roommates. If you had your own apartment and nobody else lived there, you could. But in my opinion, we really see like Bree being a baby uh, in this episode and also like wielding her power of having the money for this trip over them. I don't think Brie has a ton of money. She doesn't seem to hustle that hard on social media. And we know they're not getting paid that much from the show. Like, I bet Kayla or Ashley makes a lot more money than Brie. It really seems like Brie mostly does Fashion Nova posts and not a ton of other ones. By the way, her modeling pictures, modeling, her pictures of Fashion Nova clothes is what I'm trying to say, are so bad. Vanessa literally calls her a baby. And I was like, yeah. She's being a baby. The fact that Brie can't understand, like, why it's inappropriate to move a guy that you literally just met into your home with your mom, your sister, your sister's boyfriend, and your baby 
just shows how much of a baby she is. Even if you are the person that, like, is paying most of the bills, everybody else in the house still gets a say in who lives there. <sighs> so, Bree, Jessica's upset that uh, Bree's paying for every, oh, wait, sorry, I just skipped a point. Uh, Jaden is going to come. Brie tells Jaden they're going to come. She's like, we had a fight, but don't feel weird about it. Here's my thing. I think Jaden's a fucking weirdo. And I understand Jaden's probably like 19 years old. And my dumbass probably would have done this at 19 years old. But I'm looking at this with my 31 year old glasses on. And if I like was invited to basically live into somebody's home that their parents lived in, but they're like, no, but it's fine. I pay most of the bills. I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. But then if, like, I know they're having, like, explosive fights over me being there and then there's a big blow up about me going to the birthday trip, I, at least at this time in my life, I'd be like, I'm not going to (laughs) go. In fact, I'm not going to stay here anymore if people don't want me here. But this is very much like a 19-year-old to be like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, like, come because my girlfriend says it's fine, even though, like, I know she just had a blow up with her mom and her sister over it. (laughs) Oh, God. So, Brie and Jessica, like, talk about it. And Jessica acknowledges that... It's really hard. And I like that she acknowledges. She's like, I know it's hard because it was just like the two of us and Bryson and now Vanessa and her boyfriend are here. And that adds a whole different dynamic. And I kind of forgot about that, that they like just moved in. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is tough. And Jessica's upset because Bree is paying for everything for Jaden. and he doesn't have a job. This seems like Jessica's main sticking point, And I... I mostly agree with it. I think that, unfortunately, Jessica has taken a very hands-off approach to, like, actual parenting and rules. And I was going to say I think it's because, you know, Brie pays the rent, half the rent and half the bills, and she has to treat Brie like an equal. But I also think that this has probably been going on for a lot longer than this. And Jessica just wants Jaden to pull his weight. She just wants him to get a fucking job. And Brie's like... Well, you know, like, I'm not really paying for much. Like, his mom gave, his mom gives him money. Like, his mom is paying for him. And Jessica's like, well, you paid that bill for him. I don't know what the bill was. And Bree's like, yeah, yeah, but he's going to pay me back. And Jessica's like, okay, I hope he does. Because there have been a lot of times in my life where I thought I was going to have somebody pay me back and they didn't. (laughs) Oh, gosh. They all go to the coast and it looked really pretty. The Oregon coast seems really pretty, and Vanessa is just upset and not feeling it and upset about the whole weekend, so Brie and Vanessa, like, kind of go off to talk, and they get into a screaming match. Brie's like, if this trip is about Brayson, it doesn't matter if Jaden is here, and Vanessa's like, yes, it does, because even though this trip is about Brayson, when Jaden's here, like, I can't feel totally comfortable, and Brie's like, why the fuck can't you feel comfortable around him? And Vanessa's like, because he's a stranger. I don't know him and I don't trust him. And this, if nothing tells you more about Brie than this thing that she says in response, like, Brie's like, just because he's a stranger, you can't trust him? <laughs> oh, God. Vanessa's like, yes. Classic. That's so classic. Oh, it was so good. So Jessica pops in and they then the three of them start fighting again and they're like, why is Jaden at the house when you go to work? And Bree says, you know, it doesn't matter. 
at the end of the day, like, I pay for half, I pay half of everything, so you can't tell me who has been there, and it's like, but that's, like, when you're a roommate, like, you have to ask your roommates, like, hey, is it okay why my boyfriend stays here while I go to work? Like, and most people will say no, especially your boyfriend that you just met. It's just, it's interesting that we're finally seeing, like, some boyfriend drama. It's interesting that we're seeing these financial power dynamics play out. I'm definitely looking forward to more of it as Brie gets more money. I think it'll be very interesting, although Jessica will also get a paycheck that's probably very similar to Brie's if they keep, you know, they keep the pay grade similar from Team Mom OG and Team Mom 2. Jessica will most likely get a, like, baby's dad paycheck. Um, usually, at least from what we know, the mom gets the most money and then the dad makes about the same, just a little less But, like, in a case like Janelle Barbara, Barbara got the same amount that the dads were getting. And I think it will be similar for Jessica because she is the main scene partner for Brie. Because there is no dad. So, yeah, that's it for Brie. I love... Vanessa coming in is really shaking things up in a good way. Like, watching Vanessa fight with Brie. I like watching... Because I think, like I said, Jessica is such a people pleaser. um, And Vanessa is not... (laughs) Vanessa doesn't give a fuck and is willing to call out Brie, and I like that. All right. Uh, Let's talk about Kaya, who I have some really serious questions, comments, and concerns about Kaya and Tiaza. I find them to be really toxic and upsetting to watch, and I'm really, like, really wondering at what point Tiffany lays down the law, Kaya's mom, and is like, you can no longer live here because this is insane. (laughs) I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. They actually all go out for lunch uh, at the beginning of the first episode, and Tiffany is, she's a communicator, you can tell. And I think, I think part of the issue is that Tiffany really sees Tiaza like a daughter. I think she really loves and cares for Tiaza and really feels... Like, she wants to help Tiaza because, you know, they're, like, talking and having conflict. Or not having conflict. They're talking and Tiffany's like, Tiaza, how do you feel when you're fighting? Like, she really gives T. It's like she's talking to two of her children. Uh, Tiffany does say, like, she can't have them outside of her apartment screaming at each other. And it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Ugh. Kaya seems... I wonder if she's been screened for postpartum depression She seems, like, really just miserable. I really, I feel for her. I really feel for her. Um, Tiaz and Kaya decide to go to couples counseling. Now, I would hope everybody here knows that I love therapy. I'm so pro-therapy. I think couples counseling is great. I think more people in relationships should be going to couples counseling. But I want to say on record that I'm anti-18-year-olds going to couples counseling. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you have a baby together, like... It's could be different, but in general, like, and I also do not believe that Tiaza, I, I'm not subscribing to the fact that Tiaza and Kaya have a baby together. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I refuse to. I'm not putting that on Tiaza. It's not, it's not fair. And I want to be an adult that says that that is not Tiaza's baby and that she should release herself from this situation that she is in. I just think like, If you're 18 years old, like, and your relationship is bad enough that you need to go to couples counseling, like, I beg you just to break up. I really, truly beg you to break up. I 
had a friend that was in like this relationship and they'd been together like 11 months and they started going to counseling and I was like you guys should just it was like my very very good friend we're still very very good friends and like nicely I was like I think you should break up (laughs) like I was like why do you have to go to couples counseling at 11 months in now I don't think this is like true for everyone but we live together so I like saw how hard their relationship was and I was like this shouldn't be this hard this early in. Like, you haven't even been together for a year. Like, what are you fighting for? And that's what I ask of a lot of the, of young people in early relationships, like early in their relationships who feel like they need to go to counseling. It's like, what are you fighting for? Like, you can just break up and move on. Um, I don't think that stands for every couple that's been together for a year. I think it greatly depends on their ages and like, what they've been through in the past and what their goals are together and if they're actually compatible, but maybe they just need to work through some things. But this couple was just like so incompatible about so many things and it was so obvious. And I was like, just give it up. (laughs) Wow, I'm really taking a hard anti-therapy stance here. (laughs) But like Tiaza is not this baby's parent. Tiaza's not Amor's parent and she should just leave and go to counseling on her own, and work through her shit, and be an 18-year-old. <laughs> I just want her to be a happy 18-year-old. So they go and see a therapist named Dr. Walker, who I thought seemed very nice, and they basically say that they've been arguing a lot. We find out, I don't know if we knew this, it was new to me, but you know sometimes I miss things, that Tiaza, when Tiaza cheated on Kaya, which we did know, it was like mere days after uh Kaya's father died, which was sad. And basically, they're having the exact issue, which I'm sure I've called out on this podcast, in which Kaya has has not and will not be able to forgive Tiaza for cheating, and they will never, ever, ever be able to move past it, and every single fight that they ever have will be about that. And on the flip side, uh, Tiaza can't forgive Kaya for getting pregnant, and they will never, ever, ever move past it. And when you each like have something that you will never forgive and you will never move past, then your relationship will not work. Tiaza <laughs> uh, says that she hates confrontation and that she like blocks it, blocks it until they just have a huge blow up, which is scary. I'm also, I'm, I'm scared about their fighting. Um, I would not be surprised if their fighting gets physical. It's like very, it goes from zero to 100 so quickly. It's very aggressive how close they get to each other screaming. I personally believe that if you and your partner are standing within like three inches of each other screaming at each other in the face regularly, like eventually it will lead to physical uh, confrontation almost no matter what. I think that as humans, like we cannot stop ourselves eventually. I think that like if you are regularly not if this happens once or twice, like, over five years, like, obviously, and obviously there are exceptions to every rule, but I do think a good rule of thumb is that if, like, you and your partner are screaming in each other's faces, like, all of the time, like, eventually one of the other is gonna, well, first, like, push one, push the other to get away, you know, like, to step away from a situation, you need to, like, physically push somebody out of the way, and pushing is violence, Um, I also just think that, like, if you get to that level of rage and you are, like, so, so close in physical proximity to that person, like, it will be almost 
impossible for you to stop yourself from hitting them. I'm not saying all couples that fight are going to end up like hitting each other. What I'm talking about is that like in each other's faces, like your mouth is like one inch from the other person's faces, you're screaming type of fighting. I think that type of fighting is scary. Um, it, it, I mean, maybe that's just like a personal trigger for me, but it's like scary to me. And I think that once you are like, I don't know, I think that we as humans, um, like on purpose, keep proximity from one another because we have personal space. And I think once you and your partner in an aggressive manner have already like crossed the threshold of invading personal space, that hitting and pushing and punching is just like a very short step behind that. Um, I'm sure there are some people that like this never happens to, but I just think that like once you are regularly invading each other's personal space like that, like and we see, like, Kaya and Tia's are, like, regularly doing it. Like, and I'm not just talking about, like, we're standing close and we're, like, how could you do that? How could you do that? Like, why are you doing that? I'm talking, like, standing within inches of each other and, like, screaming on the top of your lungs at one another. And just so filled with rage that you're saying anything that comes to mind. Like, I just think for most people, like, it's such an easy walk from there to hitting that it makes me, like, a little scared and uncomfortable. So I worry for Tiaza and Kaya. Uh, Kaya says that they're not even friends anymore, which I, yeah, 100%. I see that. Uh, I've never really gotten the vibe that they are friends, and I think that that's an important point that Kaya touches on. But they both still want to be together because they're 18 and stupid. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Tiesa says, though, she thinks it's too late for them. And it's kind of just disappointing to hear her say that and know that they're still together. <laughs> Because I, when she said that, I was like, Tiaza, yes. Yes, Tiaza. I don't know. Is it wrong that I like Tiaza better than Kaya and that I'm really rooting for Tiaza and feel just, like, fine towards Kaya? Because is Tiaza, like, the more, I don't know, actually. I think they're equally toxic and abusive, like, emotionally abusive towards each other. I just find something about Tiaza to be very endearing. I think it's the fact that she looks 12 years old. And I feel like I could just pick her up in my arms and rock her back and forth. Like, she just is such a little baby. She looks like such a little baby to me, and I just want to protect her. And Kaya, like, doesn't, she doesn't set that off in me as much. Um, But I also think, like, for Kaya, I, like, am rooting for her to just, like, be a single mom and, like, do it on her own. And she has a great family, and, like, I want her to understand that that the emotional, ter- emotional turmoil that she's going through with Tiaza, like, is not any easier than, like, being a single parent, I would guess. I mean, I, one of my, I don't know. I've never been a parent. But I feel like the amount of effort and emotional energy she has to put into Tiaza and, like, making sure Tiaza is okay, like, that should be going into her child. She shouldn't need to be doing that with her partner. In the second episode, we get some drama uh, with Xavion's mom, who we haven't seen in a while. She basically is just back on her bullshit of every time she wants to see Amor and Kaya says no, she gives her shit about it. Tiffany, I will say, has turned the corner and seems to be, like, coming down much more on uh, Kaya's side here, which I think is good. She's like, well, you're not her daughter, so she can't speak to you that way. And she has to learn to respect you. And I was glad to see that. So we got a scene of Carlin and Xavion talking on the phone. And I wonder if Xavion gets paid for this. I wonder if he legally can get paid. If 
don't think you're allowed to work when you're in prison, like, for outside sources, which, you know, I have issues with. But I think that Kaya, oh, excuse me, that Xavion and Carla talk on the phone. Xavion's like, I should be seeing my baby regularly, but she can't bring him here regularly, so she'll be letting you bring him here regularly. And it's like, okay, but, like, that's not, no. (laughs) Carla is not allowed to have the baby on her own, and that is well within Kaya's rights to say. So the drama in this episode is that Kaya decides to surprise Tiaza with a date and brings her to a rock climbing gym. And Tiaza is like, I am terrified of heights and I don't want to go rock climbing. <laughs> so they get into a big fight. Tiaza re- literally refuses to do it and Kaya is really upset. And I don't know. I see both of their sides here. Tiesa's like, why would you plan a date for me that you knew I wouldn't like because you know I hate heights? And Kaya's like, but I didn't know you would hate it. Why won't you just try? And Tiesa's like, because I don't want to rock climb. <laughs> oh, God. Tiesa's, or Kaya's like, we're supposed to be getting out of our comfort zone. And Tiesa's like, I just, I don't want to rock climb. I just want these two to break up. Really, truly. I just really, they should break up. They should break up. So let's go on to, let's go from Kyla to Kayla, but right after a quick break. I love to play puzzle games, and I'm currently totally addicted to the game Best Fiends, who is the sponsor of today's episode. Best Fiends is a game you can play right on your phone, and it's designed to be played by anybody. Best Fiends is great because the puzzles are challenging enough to be engaging, but you don't need to be some sort of serious gamer to play. The bright colors of the interface are totally pleasing to the eye, and I love to collect the game's cute characters as I play. This is the perfect game for me to play while grabbing a quick meal by myself. In fact, just tonight, I sat at a bar, ate dinner, and played Best Fiends. I just beat level 30. Best Fiends updates their game every month, so it never gets stale. You don't need internet to play, so it's a perfect game for the subway or while traveling. Engage your brain with fun puzzles. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So Kayla and Mark, Kayla and Mark, (laughs) Kayla and Luke got their apartment in Iowa and they're trying to move as much as they can because they move in two weeks and she's due in five days. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Kayla moving to Iowa two days after her baby is born just to follow her boyfriend so he can go to school makes little, little sense to me. I I understand wanting to be with Luke, like, and their new baby. I understand that. But it just seems so crazy. Like, why not just wait a month? Luke can go and come back on the weekends for the first month. Like, it'll be hard, but I don't know. I just don't know. So, Jamie also got approved for an apartment in the same complex, and Kayla's like, okay, well, I'll talk to you about it. We'll see what happens. And then she goes to talk with Luke about it, and she's like, I don't know why my mom thinks she wants to live there. Like, it's so gross the way that she switches and takes on this black scent when she's talking to Luke or any other black person. And when she's talking to her mom, she's like, well, I'm just not sure where you living would be the best. And then when she talks to Luke, she's like, I don't know. Like, ugh, Kayla. I, ugh, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. It was, for some reason, like, I understand she does it in every episode, but for some reason it was very obvious to me in this episode. 
Luke, I think Luke has, like, a reasonable outlook on this, where he's like, I don't, I know I can't tell your mom she can't move, but, like, I'm just a little concerned. Uh, I did see online, I can't remember if I talked about this or not, but Kale has apparently his little brother who is on the autism spectrum and he is also going to college in Iowa. So that is another reason that Jamie wants to move there, which makes a lot more sense to me. I saw a lot of people online saying that Jamie's just a fame whore and that's why she wants to move there, but I don't really get that from Jamie. Like, she's not on camera that much. Not enough to, like, pick up her life and move just for the MTV cameras. So, we get a scene of, not Luke, Stefan. Stefan. He calls his mom and he's like, well, I haven't seen Zay in about a month. And, you know, Kayla's being Kayla about it. And her mom, his mom, really puts on a show here. She's like, I'm tired of that pathetic Kayla. Like, fuck Kayla. She gets on my nerves. And what? Like, we all know Stefan is not the one reaching out. I don't understand how his mom doesn't see this. Uh, Kayla, Stefan reads Kayla's texts to him, which are, like, really nice and respectful, actually, and are just like, hi, how come you haven't reached out to me in a month? Like, I want you to see Luke. Oh, my God. I'm messing up everybody's name. I want you to see Isaiah, but, like, you're not even calling. I understand you're working, but, like, you need to reach out to him And his mom is like, fuck her for being upset. Like, how dare she? Like, seriously? Like, Kayla wasn't even rude. Like, she was actually quite nice in her texts. Stefan is like, I can't, I can't see him because I'm working too much. It's like, are you? Like, how much do you really work? I don't believe Stefan has a job at all, first of all. Kayla says in the text that she feels like it's confusing for Zay and... Stefan's mom responds is because your dumbass mama won't let you stay with your daddy. Apparently Stefan's mom is like obsessed with the fact that Stefan should be able to get overnight visits and that until he gets overnight visits he shouldn't have to do any sort of parenting which is insane. I don't understand why she thinks that Stefan is just like automatically like should be spending the night alone with Zay. Like Stefan doesn't even know that kid. He doesn't make any effort Also, I don't think Stefan was even raised by his mom. I think she acts like this because his mom is not a a parent either. Because do you remember in season one, they talked a lot about how his parents weren't really in his life and his aunt came to the baby shower and was like, your grandfather raised you better than this. Like, I was under the impression that Stefan lived with his grandparents. So I want some more information on his crazy ass mom and if she actually raised her kids and why she thinks she gets such a say over her deadbeat son and what the baby's mom, who 100% is raising this kid, is doing. His mom is like, tell that raggedy ass to call me when you can get overnights. And until then, like, I'm not chasing after you. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, none, it didn't even make sense. I was like, you're not chasing after Kayla at all. <laughs> oh, just so crazy. Just so, so, so crazy. So Jamie and Kayla meet up and Jamie is like, look, the apartment they have is in the building next door to you. We're not going to be in the same building. I understand that this isn't ideal, but like you were there, you saw all the other apartments, you know that this was like the only apartment complex that is like cool to live in. And Kayla's kind of like, yeah, because I think she agrees with Jamie that none of the other apartments are very good. And Jamie is like, I look, I would prefer to live 15 minutes away too. <laughs> 
And basically, they say there just needs to be boundaries and that they can't just pop over to each other's places all the time. And Kayla's like, I don't think you want me doing that either. Uh, I don't know. I think that Kayla, I haven't watched the next two episodes. I should have clarified that at the beginning. I'm not going to watch them until next week because I don't want to watch them until it's time to take notes for them for the podcast because I'll forget everything that happens. I guess theoretically I could have watched them and then taken notes on them again just so I would know uh, what happens, but I've been binging Love is Blind, so I just I just haven't had the time. <laughs> and I didn't watch them in real time because I didn't. <laughs> but I personally, like, think that Kayla is going to be very happy her mom is there. Like, she is moving states. She's moving three hours away like, a day after she has a baby, and she is, I like, Isaiah's not even two. He's, like, 19 months when the baby was born. Like, I think that she is totally underestimating how hard this is going to be for her. I think that she's totally underestimating how busy Luke is going to be and how unavailable Luke is going to be, like, compared to, like, what she will need. And I think that having her mom there is going to be a saving grace. And I... I understand that she doesn't want to live in, like, the same apartment complex as her mom, but I think it will be fine, to be honest. So, in the second episode, the baby's born. Yay! Uh, she tells her friend she hasn't heard from Stefan in, like, a month when she reached out to him. He said that he was just too busy working, so she asked him to pay child support, and he said he had no money. <laughs> and Kale's like, how can he be working all the time, but he can't pay child support? Which, if you'll remember, was like $42 a month. <laughs> what a fucking bum. Um, and then the baby's here. Yay, there's not really that much to talk about. But baby Aria is born and they're moving to Iowa literally two days after they get home from the hospital. Which is just, it's just really crazy. I'm glad Jamie will be there. Even if I think it might be a little too close for comfort, I, for one, am glad Jamie will be there. Okay, let's talk about Ashley. So, basically, baby Holly's second birthday is coming up. And the idea was that Barr was going to plan a party and Ashley was going to plan a party because it their families just don't get along. We get, we get a great flashback of them fighting. Ugh, I miss, I miss their brawls. I miss them brawling at baby showers and at birthday parties. <laughs> and surprise, Bar doesn't actually plan a party, even though he makes a big deal about how he, how he wants to plan a party and how they're going to have two separate parties, etc., etc. And he just wants them to have one big party. And Shen, or excuse me, Ashley's like, well, I'm getting along with Shen now, but my mom and Shen are not getting along. Okay, I want to touch on this a little because I don't think they're going to fully go into it on the show but Shen and T have, like, really, really been fighting for the last year, I guess, on Instagram. And it's gotten gross and dirty. And Ashley and T have, like, made weird comments about Shen's daughter, who's, like, eight years old. <laughs> like, bad comments about her, which is, like, don't do that. <sighs> T has said a lot of stuff about Shen being, like, a white bitch, which, like, I think you guys know I don't personally care about, but Shen is screaming about racism. Um, I think what T is angry about is just Shen's total appropriation of black culture. She's a real Kayla, if you will. Um, I think that 
there's too much drama. As I've stated, it's the same with the Beavers. Like, I just can't keep up with all of the Shannon T drama because it's fucking exhausting and they just fight on Instagram all day long. And I also just don't feel like there's a true payout. That said, I'm mostly on Pastor T's side because I do think that T likes drama and T says a lot of bad shit and T isn't a good person, but I do think at the end of the day, like, if I had to pick, like, if you were, like, Shen or T, like, I'm going with Pastor T all day, every day, um, Shen to me is just, like, totally, totally unhinged, and Pastor T is only, um, like, 47% unhinged, depending, well, 47 to 75%, depending on the day, and Shen is, like, 90 to 95% unhinged. Does this make sense? So I am mostly on T's side, but I also am like, T, log offline, like, stop fighting with Shen. Like, why are you fighting with Shen? Uh, in this episode, Shen, or T calls Shen so they can have a conversation before this birthday party, and T records it. And, because she's like, I don't trust Shen. Fair enough, but then they play it back on TV, which I think was shitty. Uh, also, they're in the state of California, so T isn't legally allowed to record Shen unless she tells her. Uh, California is famously a two-party consent state, which means that if you record a phone call, the other person has to agree to it. Pennsylvania, where I am, I'm 99% sure is a one-party consent state, which means I can record any phone call that I have in the state of Pennsylvania, and I don't have to tell you. The one party is me. I'm consenting to it. In California, both people have to consent to it. Um, Maybe she did, though, because if they played it on TV, they obviously weren't that worried about it. Um... Famously, famously on Vanderpump Rules when Jax and Faith fucked and then Faith had a recording of Jax talking shit on Britney, that never made it to air because Jax did not consent to that recording, so they legally could not play it. Like, Jax could have sued Faith and then also could have sued the Vanderpump Rules production if they had played it. He was able to block that from ever being on TV. We just saw everybody reacting to it. It was awful. He called Britney his soon-to-be fiancé, a, like, fat bitch, and that he hated her, and that he didn't care about her at all, and they never had sex. Really bad. And was saying this all to a woman that he was cheating on her with. (laughs) So maybe, like, T did tell her, because I'd be pretty surprised if MTV played a illegally recorded conversation, but maybe they also just know Shen is, like, not going to sue them, so who gives a fuck? Um, where Jax maybe would sue Evolution Media, the Vanderpump Rules production company. And MTV is like, yeah, come out of Shen. Like, we don't give a fuck about you. And yeah, that's probably what happened. But T plays back the recording, which I think was kind of shady and shitty. And if I was Shen, I would be pissed about MTV playing that and airing that. I'm not into, like, shady recordings and then it getting put on TV. Unless you fucked somebody in front of a 95-year-old woman, and then she recorded it, and you were talking shit on your girlfriend, and then she put it on TV. So, like, I want to hear that Vanderpump Rules recording, but (laughs) I kind of feel for Shen here. Basically, the conversation is them kind of going back and forth that, like, calmly that they need to move forward, and they both put shit on social media, but T is like, I just, I need an apology. Like, I cannot move forward until I get an apology, and Shen's position is kind of like, but you did it too, and why should I apologize? Because, like, we both threw mud, so why don't we just move forward? And even though I said I'm on T's side overall-ish, I 
kind of agree with Shen here where it's like they both have just been so bad or I guess I feel like they should just both apologize to each other but I also think at the same time it's like I don't know why they're even trying because they're never gonna get along and it's never gonna be good so just don't (laughs) just like don't just don't have this conversation just don't don't um I would like to know more about Ashley and Shen getting along I know they were getting along for a little bit but they're back to not getting along uh T's like well you can't come to my house break bread with me eat my food uh, if you're not going to give me an apology, she says she'll serve her Miss Millie pie, like from the help. So like a shit pie. <laughs> I thought that was fun. <laughs> uh, T's really amped up about this, but she's very low key, which also is like kind of eerie to watch. So Ashley and Barr and Ashley's little sister and Holly go out to eat and Ashley is frustrated at Barr for not planning a party and now there's going to be drama because Bar didn't plan a party. And Ashley tells them why she's mad. And immediately they're fighting. Bar's like, you need to fix your attitude. And Ashley's like, okay, but I'm upset. And this is your fault. And Bar's like, I'm not fighting in front of the kids. And Ashley kind of keeps poking and won't let it go. And I think that this is something Ashley does. Is like, she pokes and pokes and pokes at Bar looking for a reaction. And then when Bar gives her the reaction, she's like, I can't believe you did that. Um, and like she he's like I don't want to talk about this I don't want to fight in front of the kids but also I understand why Ashley's annoyed because it's like no we're talking about this because this is your fault and you did something wrong and I want to talk about it but I agree with Bar that it wasn't the place to do it in front of the kids because her little sister is like eight or nine years old like she's little little like it you know it's not a 16 year old little sister it's like a child um and Bar calls Ashley a punk ass bitch which is really bad especially in front of her sister and her daughter, which Ashley says, like, do not speak to me that way in front of my sister and my daughter. This is not okay. And Holly, she says, watch your mouth. And then Holly starts saying, watch your mouth. Uh, First of all, I am so fucking obsessed with Holly. I cannot believe how smart that little baby is. She's not even two yet in this scene. And she speaks so incredibly clearly. Like, there's no, she barely has a baby voice. It's so cute. They're back, like, Bar and Ashley start bickering back and forth as Holly is basically chanting, watch your mouth. <laughs> and then they get up and leave the restaurant because they're fighting. They fight a lot. It's not good. Uh, they're parked next to, like, this body of water. This is probably the cutest thing to ever happen on Teen Mom. And Bar is putting Holly in the car seat. And Holly asks if she can jump in the water. <laughs> it was so cute she says can I jump in the water (laughs) first of all the sentence structure the vocabulary it's next level second of all that is truly the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life can I jump in the water (laughs) and bar like bar starts laughing he's like baby you can't even swim (laughs) god it's just so cute Ugh, my little my middle niece uh, was like this and that, I mean, she's incredibly, incredibly smart. Uh, definitely the smartest of, well, the three older girls and not, they're all smart, but this one is like very, very smart. My best friend's husband is also incredibly smart. So we just think she takes the most after her dad. And like from the time she started speaking, like she never had a baby voice. Like she spoke so clearly, complete sentences, like 
it, so, so clearly now the one that's younger than her is turning four this year. And first of all, she weighs like 11 pounds. She's the tiniest little peanut. And she still speaks in like such a baby voice. <laughs> like I'll actually be quite devastated when she loses her baby voice. Like she has such baby talk. And so it's just so funny to see like the difference in them. And Holly definitely is one of those kids that like, just like, speaks so so clearly and I just think it's probably a natural ability obviously Ashley talks to her a lot and reads her a lot and is doing an incredible job but since I've seen you know two kids in the same family have such different experiences I realize like a lot of it is just like I think Holly is probably very has probably has a very high IQ or I don't know if you can test baby's IQs but will have a very high IQ like I can I jump in the water? Like, is that not the cutest fucking thing that's... Ugh, I can't. Holly, I love you. You're a doll. Let's be close friends. Um, Ashley and Barr talk with the kids in the car, and Barr said something sad. It made me sad. He was like, look, I just don't have the money to have a party, and to be honest, if I had a party, like, who's gonna come? And you can tell Ashley's really taken off guard by that, because she's like, what do you mean? Like, who's gonna come? Like, your family's not gonna come? And he's like, no, I've, like... I've driven a wedge in my family. And I think Ashley realizes this is this true and that, I mean, it's a wedge of Shen's making, but I think she knows that Ashley and Barr kind of being together, you know, and Ashley and Shen fighting and Barr taking Ashley's side, even though it's the right side, like, makes issues in his whole family. And that's sad. So in the second episode, it's the day of the party or the night before the party and... <laughs> Ashley and T get into a huge funny fight that was really relatable to me because it was over Rice Krispie Treats. <laughs> it was over Rice Krispie Treats. It was truly over nothing. They're just screaming at each other over nothing with T calling Ashley ungrateful and Ashley being like, it does not matter. <laughs> I don't know. It was just such a relatable like fight to me where you are stressed and you've you're over planning and ev not everything can be done and like you and your mom just fighting like only you and your mom can like that's a fight that you like only have with someone in your family that you're extremely close to and then like 10 minutes later you're like wow that was fucking stupid <laughs> oh god uh i really i i can't help but i like pastor t <laughs> Uh, so they have the party. It's really cute. It's like, um, like jungle themed bars walking around in like one of those little plastic, like jungle hats. It looked cute and everything looked good. They did. Ashley and T did a great job. It's in Ashley's backyard. Everybody looks like they're having fun. But after the party, Ashley and Barr get into a huge fight, um, about basically Holly, Barr's going to take Holly Holly falls asleep and Barr's like, well, why don't I just like stay over here and chill? And Ashley doesn't want him to. She says she's trying to keep the boundaries clear. I guess I'm guessing what really happened is like Barr's like, let's chill. Like, let's go in your bedroom and hang out. And Ashley was like, no, I don't want to. They get into a fight. Barr's pissed and just like takes Holly and leaves. I have some questions about how they're getting around in an Uber. I wonder if every time she calls for, like, one of those Uber car seat cars. They do live in the Bay Area, so I'm sure that's available. But, like, do they put the car seat in the car every time? Ugh, seems like a nightmare. So, they get into it. They're fighting, and Barr storms off. 
Ashley goes outside and she's like, T's sitting outside and Ashley's like, I need to apologize to you. T starts laughing because she knows how stupid the fight was too. I loved this scene because Ashley was like, you could tell Ashley did feel genuinely bad and she's like, I completely understand why you're upset. I asked you to do something and then I told you it didn't matter, but it mattered a lot to you and you felt like I was being ungrateful for everything you do, but I'm not ungrateful. And I just love that T was laughing like, oh, that was so stupid. Like looking back, I can't believe we had that fight, but I love you. And they talk about Barb being mad and T asks Ashley if she's sending mixed signals, which Ashley's like, no, 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 I'm not. But you guys think, no, that I think that she is. I think it just depends on Ashley's mood if she wants to fuck Bar or not. And when she wants to fuck Bar, Bar's around. And then when Bar wants to fuck, she's like, no, I'm not doing that. We need to have boundaries. And Bar gets mad. I really, I really do. I think that Ashley either needs to break up with Bar totally and not have him around and not be having joint parties with him, at least for a while, or Bar, or Ashley needs to date Bar. I think it's really, not that I necessarily feel bad for Bar, but I do think it's hard. I think it's hard. Did we talk about the fact that Barr was arrested for domestic violence, uh, like, in January? And Holly was there, so it's like there's a child endangerment charge. It's not good. Barr and Ashley are going to do this for the rest of their lives. I really believe that. Have domestic violence fights, get arrested, have CPS around because there's child endangerment. I feel for little Holly, my little high IQ Holly, who asks if she can jump in the water. (laughs) First of all, a two-year-old, like, understanding the concept of jumping in the water is very intelligent. Like, for a two-year-old to be able to look at the water and know that people go swimming and then asks if she can jump in to go swimming, God, that fucking baby is smart. I love her. I really, she might be my favorite teen mom child of all time. And you guys know that's ever-changing, and next week I might say it's somebody else. <laughs> okay, shall we go on to the piece de resistance of Team Mom Young and Pregnant, of really the whole franchise? By the way, I'm not so sure Team Mom Young and Pregnant is coming back. Did we talk about this? <laughs> I haven't recorded in so long, I just keep saying, did we talk about this? Did we talk about this? No, Liz, we didn't fucking talk about it. Um, Team Mom Young and Pregnant ratings have been really bad, getting bad all season. I did see that their ratings for the finale went up a little bit. Uh, Starcasm has been tracking this very nicely for us, but they have really bad ratings, and them not getting a reunion is, I don't understand why they didn't film a whole reunion, like, during the Team Mom 2 reunion, because they had them all there, and they had all that reunion drama, like, why didn't they just do segments? I guess they're counting that as a reunion, but we only saw it on Team Mom 2. I don't know, maybe something will be on this week for more footage from that, but... You guys know I hate reunions, so, like, I'm fine with Team Mom Young and Pregnant having a reunion, but it does not bode well for the future of Team Mom Young and Pregnant that MTV isn't willing to spend the money on a reunion. And I think if the show gets canceled, they're going to give Rachel Beaver some sort of spinoff. Like, I'm not sure how that will look, but you guys know I think kind of Mallory is the real star, so I would love to see, like, Mal's pals... <laughs> And have Rachel be the secondary character in Mallory's show. That's what I'm here for. A show really following Mallory. So, the Beavers. The Beavers in Tennessee. We find out Rachel's dating a new guy named Cody, spelled K-O-T-Y, because why would you not spell your name C-O-D-Y, you know? 
why would you do that when you can spell it K-O-T-Y? They've been dating a couple weeks, and she says Cody really has his shit together because he's a job in a car. <laughs> it's just, they're just so simple about Rachel Beaver. Like, there's just such a simplicity to Rachel Beaver and her life that it makes her so easy to watch because in a lot of ways, I, like, totally understand everything about her. Like, when she says shit, like, it's just Cody has his shit together and he's easy to date and he has a job in his car, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Cody is easy to date. <laughs> Rachel and Cody go out to get ice cream and basically they both talk about how they've never been on dates with anybody and how much they like each other. And look, I'm happy for her. <laughs> I'm happy for Rachel, guys. <laughs> Mostly kidding, but also kind of not. Uh, oh, yeah, I wasn't happy in the next scene when she's giving Hazley a bath and Cody is helping her. <sighs> Don't let strange men give your children baths. That's my um, song that I'm singing to all of the teen moms. So Stephanie goes out for lunch with Nana. Did you guys notice that Nana didn't even get her name in the Chiron? Like, the thing that comes across the screen, they just called her Nana. Like, does Nana have a name? Also, Mallory, a couple weeks ago, was arrested for domestic violence after hitting Nana. She came home drunk and hit Nana. Or was screaming and threatening to hit Nana. I don't remember if they, she actually hit her. And Nana had to call the police on her. Mm. Stephanie is wearing bright blue eyeliner. <laughs> That perfectly matched the lanyard around her neck. <laughs> and I will say it was odd that they're mother and daughter, right? Like, their interaction was very stilted. There seemed to be very little familiar about them. But basically, they talk about... First, Stephanie says, like, raising Emerson and Hazley is so much easier than raising her kids. And Nana's like, that's because they're babies. But when they're teenagers, they're going to be hard. Uh, Stephanie says that she's happy with Cody because he's a better guy than Drew or Jacob. Was that his name? I've already forgotten the other one's name. And Nana's happy to hear that. But Stephanie, I like this because Stephanie admits that she messed up. She's like, I basically says that she shouldn't have let Rachel come live with her. And, oh, in the voiceover, Rachel let us know that Stephanie and Nana have a contentious relationship because when Stephanie wanted to get custody back, Nana, like, fought for her not to get custody back. And I think we all can agree that Nana was in the right and that she should have retained custody of those kids. Uh, Carter, I believe, lives with Nana. And I guess Mallory lives with her, too, or did, until the domestic violence arrest. So she says that, like, she made a mistake letting Rachel come and live with her and just being her best friend when Nana's house was so strict and when Rachel was living with Nana, she was going to school and was in cheerleading and now she's a mess. And Nana says, well, you know, like, she fought me too. Like, it's not, it's not easy for me either. So I thought that was nice that Nana wasn't just, like, throwing in her face how easy it was to raise the kid. Uh, Stephanie talks about how much she struggles and how she just wants to run away sometimes and says that she made more money selling drugs than she did working her job, which is definitely, you know, a hard reality for anybody that made fast cash, especially made fast cash illegally to, like, come crashing back to earth and work a hard job for a little bit of money. It's not a fun life. 
Nana is basically like, well, don't run away and get your shit together and just figure it out. She doesn't seem to have a lot of empathy for Stephanie, but I can understand why. So, basically, Rachel doesn't have any of her shit together, and Stephanie's goal is to help her get her shit together, which includes getting her license, which I agree. I agree with Stephanie that Rachel needs to get her license, but she's supposed to go take her permit test, and she hasn't studied for it at all. And Rachel is, like, so mad. She's like, why are you making me do this? I think what's going on here is that Stephanie has decided, like, this is the day you're going to go take your permit test. And even if you haven't studied, I'm going to make you do it because I'm making rules now. And that's never going to work. That's not, you're too too little too late. This is not the place to enforce rules and boundaries. And Rachel is not pleased. Basically, she ends up refusing to go. They have to go back home so she can change because she spills Powerade all over herself and doesn't have a phone charger can understand. I'm like, you're, why did she need to change? Why would they even go home? But they go back home and Rachel basically is like, I'm not, gets out of the car and is like, I'm not getting back in the car. I'm not going. And then her and Stephanie get into a huge screaming match where Stephanie's like, I will never do anything for you again. And Rachel's like, you don't do anything for me, which I th- found humorous as Rachel stomps into Stephanie's home <laughs> that she lives in rent free. Um, I, it was just like, it was Sad watching Stephanie try and exert this, like, parental control because she's decided she's, like, really done with Rachel being a mess up and she's going to fix it. And that's just never, it's never going to work, Steph. So, Stephanie is venting to her boyfriend about it and lets us know that Rachel doesn't take her birth control pills. And then a little little, later, later, Rachel and Stephanie talk and... Stephanie wants to know what Rachel's life plan is and if Rachel wants to go to college. And Rachel's like, that's none of your business. <laughs> Stephanie's like, yes, it is. I'm your mom. And Rachel's like, well, you've never been here for me my whole life. So why do you give a fuck now? Which is going to be their fight forever, unfortunately. And that's a consequence of Steph's behavior. But also Rachel needs to not throw that in her face because it doesn't help her or Stephanie. And then we find out that Stephanie tracks Rachel's period, which I was like, what? And Stephanie was like, well, when are you going to take your birth control pills? And Stephanie, Rachel's like, when I get my period next. And Stephanie's like, well, I track your period and you're a week late. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> like, uh, sure. Do you think Stephanie has like a period tracker app and tracks Rachel's period for her? <laughs> think she has, like, a family planning calendar. (laughs) Ugh, they make Mike, Stephanie's boyfriend, go to the dollar store and buy three tests so Rachel can fuck up two and then take the third. And right at the end of the episode, her friend, Rachel's friend Jaden, comes in the house and Rachel's like, Jaden, I'm a day late for my period! It's It's a very, very weird vibe. A very weird vibe. And then, surprise, in the second episode, we find out Rachel's pregnant. Stephanie starts sobbing. Rachel's, like, running around with Jaden, like, being like, dude, 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 dude. Like, upset, but also, you can tell not. And Rachel calls Cody and is like, I'm pregnant. (laughs) Rachel's in shock, but I'm not sure why she's in shock, because she said to her doctor, I'm going to get pregnant. (laughs) 
oh my god. She's like, I knew I could take care of one kid, but I can't take care of two kids. And I'm like, can you take care of one kid? <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, God. Um, I'm also wondering how sure she is that this is Cody's baby, or how she can be sure this is Cody's baby. Because, like, when's the last time she slept with Drew or Jacob? Like, it feels like this is another overlapping dad situation. And I have to wonder if Rachel will ever have a pregnancy in which she knows for sure who the father is and not just who she hopes the father is. Uh, Cody is like, okay, cool. <laughs> oh my God. And Rachel lets us know that she considered getting an abortion, but because Cody's fine, she's going to keep it. <sighs> oh my God. Oh, we do know that Rachel loses the baby and she has a miscarriage, which you know, is obviously, like, for the best, but it's so sad, and I feel sad for Rachel. Um, I just, like, get this girl an IUD, like, or if she's scared of the IUD, like, I still don't understand why they didn't give her a NuvaRing, or why she didn't get the arm implant, and why the pill, which she knew she wouldn't take, was the only option. <sighs> Watching her, like, make this decision that she's gonna keep it because Cody says, like, he's fine with it is sad and upsetting, and... I just love watching the beavers. I just love it. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Like I said, next week, if all goes as planned, I will be rehapping the last two episodes of the season. Oh, and tomorrow I am recording with Kara for Everybody's Business But Mine to talk about the, the Netflix show Love is Blind. So definitely make sure you're subscribed to Everybody's Business But Mine podcast with Kara Berry, who was on this podcast last week. Uh, so you can hear us talk about Love is Blind because I have 100 trillion thoughts about it. Anyway, have a good week. It was nice talking to you again. I missed you. I love you. Kiss, kiss. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah Giovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com/ebpsychode.